God bless you. Thank you for that. That's an old bio. I now have three children. We just, ado <laughs> we just adopted a third, and he's, he's the cutest thing on earth, of course, because he's my kid. He's half Nigerian and Cameroonian and half Latvian, so he's absolutely beautiful. And I didn't want him to see this video and think, well, you know, you just scratched me off with the two kid announcement. So I, uh, I love Trinidad already. I love you, Trinis. Is that what you call it? I really do. And more than everything, I love your accent, which I've, I've been trying to copy it with no success. So I'm going to tell you what happened at the airport. And so I arrive, and I see my bag. And I'm so overjoyed to see my bag, because as you know, you know, it doesn't always arrive. Mark's guitar still isn't here. And so I run up to my bag. I didn't kiss it and embrace it, but I wanted to. And I started walking away with it. And a woman says to me, did you talk to someone about your bag? And I said, no, I haven't. She goes, talk to someone about your bag. I said, can I talk to you about my bag? And she said, yes. And my name is Christine Watkins. And she looks down, she looks up, and she says, what things? I, I thought, well, what things? Okay, is she, is she saying, do I have to list for her everything in my bag? And she says, what things? Thought, okay, right, um, I've got pants, shirts, underwear. I was going to go into my toothpaste. And she said, no, no, is your name Watkins? And I start laughing hysterically. I thought she said, what things? And she's saying, Watkins? And she didn't think it was funny. <laughs> so I'm going to try harder to understand you. I apologize. So I have a claim to fame that isn't so righteous, it's because I was a great sinner, and I'm a product of divine mercy, and I promise you I'll tell you all my sins tomorrow, because I know that's all you want to know about right now. So I promise you I'll tell you that, and I shouldn't even be alive. I was boldly charging along in the wrong direction very quickly, uh, which reminds me of a joke, and please know that it's just a joke. Uh, so there were these two guys, Sam and Fred, and they loved the Pope. And the Pope was in New York, in the United States of America, at a big stadium. And they got up in the bleachers, and they had their Pope hats, and their Pope t-shirts, and their Pope flags. They were waving back and forth, their Pope hats, their Pope cooler, a beer with the Pope's face on it. And they had their Pope beer, and they were waving their flags, going, go, Pope, go, Pope. And one of them, Sam, was so excited that he ran down the bleachers and he got right in front of the Pope, who went like this. And Sam turned around, he started walking back up the bleachers. And Fred looked at him and said, Sam, why do you look so sad? You just got a blessing from the Pope. He said, no, man, I didn't get a blessing from the Pope. He said, I want you and your friend to take your cooler and get out. <laughs> So I'm all about true stories. <laughs> so 
I was healed and saved, and after I was healed and saved, I started working with the dying and the grieving in hospice ministry. And then after, for about 10 years, and after that, God moved me into another ministry of death and grieving, which had me minister to post-abortive men and women and couples who'd been through abortion. And meanwhile, he was having me talk around the country, give my testimony, and write books and books and more books, something I never planned on doing. And my sordid testimony is in a book called Full of Grace, Miraculous Stories of Healing and Conversion Through Mary's Intercession, which he asked me to write when I was on pilgrimage in Medjugorje. And then eight years ago, he asked me to write the last book that I've completed, and it's called The Warning, Testimonies and Prophecies of the Illumination of Conscience. And I didn't want to write it unless it were true. So I said to God, you have to assure me that I'm not going to lie to anyone by writing a book about this subject. And if you want me to write a book about this, and what it is, is a momentous moment in the near future when every person on earth will see their souls as God sees it in the light of their sin. And I thought, well, you know, that sounds like a tremendous thing that may or may not be true. And if it is, show me number one. It is, show me number two. People who've actually experienced this illumination of their own conscience so that I can put their stories in the book. And I kid you not, after I asked God for that, within eight weeks' time, I had met five people who had experienced an illumination of their own conscience suddenly and against their will. And I'd learned of five others, and all of them ended up in the book, ended up sharing with me very openly, very personal things. And I took that as a yes from God. So I began to write, and I found that all over the world, since the 1500s, people, sometimes children, have been prophesying about this very event called the warning. And the list of people who have been told about this is absolutely impressive. This list is the ones I chose for the book, who prophesied about it, whom God told about it, but it's not exhaustive. We have St. Edmund Campion, Blessed Anna Maria Taiji, Blessed Pope Pius IX, St. Faustina Kowalska, the Bishop-approved apparitions at Heed, Germany, Mystic Elizabeth Kindleman of the Flame of Love Movement of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Marian apparitions at Garabandal, Spain, St. Pope Paul VI, Father Stefano Gobi of the Marian Movement of Priests, Matthew Kelly, founder of the Dynamic Catholic Institute, mystic and stigmatist Janie Garza, servant of God Maria Esperanza of the Church-approved apparitions in Batania, Venezuela, mystic and stigmatist Luz de Maria de Bonilla, mystic exorcist and founder of a new order in the church, Father Michelle Rodrigue. In other words, I'm not making this up. The warning, also called the illumination of conscience, if it is not true, 
then every single one of the people I just mentioned is dead wrong. And also, some of these people who heard about it were children, and they knew nothing, any of them, about others who heard of it, and it's different places in the world and different centuries that it was revealed to them. And not only that, as I mentioned, there are people who've already experienced it, and many of them didn't even know that there was a God. And if you think that prophecy is strange and weird, and if you think, well, I just, I don't buy that stuff, I don't buy it. Well then, if you think that way, you may not buy the Bible, because you look at what books are in the Bible, and many of them, 12 in fact, are the prophetic books. We have the prophets. We have the four major prophets. We have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. We have the minor prophets. And then we have two more. We have Lamentations and Baruch. The Bible is filled with prophecy. Not only that, there are 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, 2, 000, about 2,000 of which have already happened with accuracy, and 500 of which still remain to be seen in the future. And if you think about it, how on earth did the prophets know about Jesus? So 700 years before Jesus came to earth, the prophet Micah said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In the 5th century, the prophet Zechariah said that the Messiah would be betrayed for the price of a slave, which was 30 pieces of silver according to Jewish law, and the money would be, sent, would be spent on a burial ground for Jerusalem's poor foreigners. Random, obscure fact, totally true. You have King David and Zechariah saying the horrible way that the Messiah would die, even before crucifixion was invented. How is it that hundreds of years before the second person of the Trinity came to earth, how is it, if not for God, that human beings would have thought that God would become a man that was outside of their Jewish thinking? that God as man would be humiliated, betrayed, and killed. That is completely outside of human reasoning and hope. And that is exactly what God told the prophets. And prophecy is not dead. As Pope Benedict XVI said when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, in every age, prophecy is a charism of the church which must be scrutinized, but not scorned. So you may be hearing about this event called the warning, which I'll describe to you. And some people will think, I don't buy it. That's something that hasn't happened before, and I don't think it would ever happen. And some people will think, give me that book. I need to give it to everyone I know and save the whole world. No matter where you are on the spectrum, all of us will experience something like the warning when we die. No one who's ever lived and no one who will ever live will not escape, will escape that moment 
at the end of our lives where we see Jesus face to face and we are completely exposed before him, where we have no excuses. We can't say, well, she made me do it. Well, I wasn't really in my right mind. Well, look at her. Well, look at them. He'll be looking at us. And part of this conference today is to help make that a beautiful moment in your life, a beautiful encounter in your life, where you see God's eyes and he sees yours and you are united in one glance, where you become one in mind and one in heart. And he says, I am opening the doors of paradise for you. That is his hope. May that be your hope. If it is, that is your future, guaranteed. What will happen in this warning? And why is it not being proclaimed from rooftop to rooftop, from church to church? Why doesn't everyone know about it? The Archbishop told us, it's the unfortunate repetition of human history. God sends his prophets. We receive it with indifference, scorn, disbelief, and nothing changes. But there are the few. There are the elect. There is you who believe and who say, let me take this golden nugget that you've given me and change myself and the world with it. And that is why you're called here today. You have been chosen, and you know it. You know that there's something special about you. You know it. Don't deny it. Don't tell your neighbor, don't tell anyone that you're less than if your neighbor next to you hears that, I give you permission to use a swear word. Shut up. <laughs> you know he's chosen you to be a special light, to believe, and to make what sounds like bad news good news. Because it doesn't matter if the world falls apart if you're heading straight up to heaven. It's good that the world falls apart if it means it goes down and you go up and you take people with you because we don't get there alone. We're either holding somebody's hand, pulling them up, while someone else is pulling us up. We all get there together. We were well, all linked, and I'm looking forward to seeing your faces in heaven. I'm trying to memorize them because I can't memorize names. I'm over 50. So what will happen in the warning? All light from the sun, the stars, and the moon will be extinguished. And then suddenly, in the sky, there will appear Jesus on the cross with his wounds, but also in his glory. And from the wounds in his hands and his side and his feet, bright rays will come and light up the earth, and day will be brighter than day, and night will be as bright as the brightest day. 
And those rays will pierce every single soul on earth. Every soul will be illuminated to see their life in terms of their sins. It will last about five to 15 minutes. And everyone will know in that moment where they would go if they were to die right then, heaven, purgatory, or hell. Because everyone on earth, all of us here, are in one of those three places right now. It is a state of being as well as a place. If I die, I'm going to end up right now in one of those places because that's where I already am in this very moment. So our duty and our goal is to strive to be in heaven now, right here. That's our home. Our true home is inside of us. So everyone will see where they would go. And even those sins which we have confessed in the sacrament of reconciliation will be seen, but they will be experienced differently. And we will not just see our sins if we live through this, but we will feel the pain of them, which normally we don't feel. So those who would go to purgatory will see where they would go, they will see why, they will understand, and they will know what they will need to do to correct themselves in their hearts and in their lives. Those who are very, very close to God will know what they need to do to burn off, allow God to burn off those last vestiges of imperfection before they move on into the light. For the ones who would go to hell, they will burn. Their bodies will not be consumed, will not be destroyed, but they will feel what it's like to be in hell. The only thing missing now on earth is the feeling. And some of them will not live through this. Not because of the physical pain, but because of the emotional pain of the shock. They could have a heart attack or stroke. But this, too, will be a mercy for them because they will have the chance to repent. Those who love God and who love their neighbor and who love our church have nothing to fear. Those who love God will know simply what it is to do to be more submissive to his will, to follow the path that he has given us that he has given to me and to you. I'm going to show you a video now. You will recognize the beautiful man in the video, I'm sure, who talked more about this great event to come. living in very unusual times, very unusual times. You could quite honestly say apocalyptic times. And God is on the move. Some great things are going to be coming soon. And I believe there'll be a shakeup of the whole world, including the illumination of conscience, so that the world can wake up and back away from darkness and begin in repentance to walk in the joy of the light of her son, Jesus Christ.
This has been prophesied in various times and varied ways over the centuries by saints and blessings. And my thought about it has always been this. My goodness, this would be the greatest act of mercy in the history of the world. My God, how could you do anything more beautiful, my beautiful God, than this to show everyone, including atheists and, and drug addicts and leaders of government who are stealing all their people's money for personal gain, to show all of us that, that there is a judgment, that life has a purpose, that there is a way out, that God is real. My goodness, it's like, Something you could only dream about in ages past. We would be well advised for those of us who hear about this is to start getting ready now. Because obviously it's going to be, and for what the saints have said, a profound shock. Especially to those like even some on national television who are so, how would you say, like presumptuous and prideful that there is no God. Are you kidding me? God is the only reality. If there's anything that's fake, it's us. This world will disappear, but God remains forever. We have to build our lives on the foundation of faith in God. First of all, that God exists. Secondly, that He rewards the just and He punishes the wicked. We need to know this. This illumination of conscience, to me, is something extraordinarily beautiful and necessary. What an incredible grace. It was won for us, it was purchased for us on the cross. I'm sure that Jesus saw it, Calvary. He saw this gift that you have to send one day for those who have lost all faith and all hope and even all love. So this illumination of conscience is better to get ready for it. It's coming. And ask the Lord to prepare all of your family members as well. Go to confession frequently. I think priests should go every week and the laity at least once a month. We need it, you see. I think Augustine said it best. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We have to have this to know that he's real and that he loves us. And there is a plan. We have to have this. Please, God, 
through Mary, bring it even sooner and get us ready. So why is God sending this? The times that we're in are worse than the flood. God is building an ark for us so we can climb in it and be safe. He loves you and he wants you safe. It's breaking God's heart that so many of his children are falling into perdition, falling into hell, and he just can't stand it any longer. After the warning, no one will be able to say, well, I didn't know there was a God. No one ever told me. He didn't reveal himself to me. This time he will. Well, I didn't know that the Catholic Church had the real presence. They will know. I didn't know that this was a sin. I didn't know that that was a sin. How could I have known? They will know. No one will be able to say, I didn't know. But they will be able to go back into denial, back into disbelief, back into saying it was some kind of solar phenomenon. They will believe the lies that the media puts out. But you will not, and you will be there to bring people into the church in droves. And in the book, The Warning, Testimonies and Prophecies of the Illumination of Conscience, there is a portion spoken of about what happens after the warning. But more so, Mark and myself and two men, authors, Peter Bannister and Daniel O'Connor are going to put together a website for you and for many called countdowntothekingdom.com and we will help through our writings and through what the mystics have said and through videos share with you how to navigate these times. And if you'd like to receive word of when that starts or be reminded of it, there's a newsletter sign up with your email for Queen of Peace Media in the back, on the back table with the books and just sign your name up there and we'll be in touch with you about that. So basically people have fallen so far off the railroad tracks of righteousness that people don't know how to get back on those tracks or where they are at all. The warning will be a correction of conscience for the world. It's also mentioned in scripture, by the way. Many don't know what the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31 mean. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a trumpet blast, 
and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. My friends, if you're curious, well, will this happen in my lifetime? When I was asked to write the book, I really didn't think so. I thought, I have a lot of time to write this. God's time is not our time. And I thought of the passage from 2 Peter that says, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. And all these prophecies were saying, soon, soon. I thought, well, soon, you know, what does that mean? Soon, God, soon is not my soon. <laughs> but in the last few months, as I was finishing up the book, I noticed how the messages started to get more urgent and closer and closer. Mary said to the prophet Lusta Maria, who has the stigmata, and her writings have the imprimatur, the approval of a bishop. On March 3rd, 2013, Mary said, how close to this generation is the warning, and how many of you do not even know what the warning is? In these times, my faithful instruments and my prophet, meaning Lusta Maria, are mocked by those who consider themselves scholars of spirituality, by those who reach millions of souls through means of mass communication, they are misleading them and hiding the truth. Those who have not believed will be put to shame. And then, boom, July 15, 2019, St. Michael the Archangel declared to her, this is the generation that will experience the great act of divine mercy, the warning. And Lusta Maria is not the only prophet who's being told this. Father Michel Rodrigue, whom I've met in person, he's a Padre Pio figure. God the Father started speaking to him when he was just age three, and he, like Padre Pio, thought that that was normal. And he's been speaking, preparing audiences for this moment. Now, how should we prepare? It's very important that everyone go and receive soon a general confession. That means a life confession. If you're like me and you're over 50 and you can't remember all your sins, God will take care of it. Do your best. Sit down in front of the Eucharist, probe your soul. Be honest, dead honest. Don't hide anything. You know, we get embarrassed and we feel ashamed in confession to mention those things that we, we feel really ugly and shameful about. If we don't say them, we don't release them. It's not fair to say to Jesus, you know what I mean, Jesus, you tell him. No. The point is the devil hates humility. Is it completely humbling to say these things before a human being? Is it our pride that shuts us up? Remember, when you feel like, oh, I don't want to talk about that, well, drive to the other end of Trinidad and confess to the priest who doesn't know you. <laughs> Another thing we're called to do is to consecrate ourselves to Mary. And to that end, 
one of the books God asked me to write is called Mary's Mantle Consecration. It's endorsed by a bishop and an archbishop. And Mona, Mama Mona, did I say that right? Asked me to mention what books are in the back, especially since they barely made it through customs. Um, Mary's Mantle Consecration is spiritual retreat for heaven's help. If we run out of the books, don't worry. You can do it collectively if someone's willing to send out daily emails. How to do this is all on the website, which is in the book, marysmantleconsecration.com. All the meditations are on the website as well. You pray a daily rosary. You have a day of fasting. You meditate on a virtue or a gift from the Holy Spirit. The meditations are often people's favorite part. They say it really lifts up their soul. And there are 46 stars on Our Lady's mantle and 46 days in the consecration. And people don't want it to end. And there's a workbook that goes with it where you can journal if you wish or read scripture or go deeply into the virtue. Because guess what, folks? No one gets into heaven without being perfected in all the virtues. Can you imagine if one of us slipped in there before it's time? Well, you know, I don't like what she's wearing here in heaven. That pastel doesn't look so good on her. <laughs> heaven wouldn't be heaven if sinners were in it, right? So this is a great grace to, to really work on ourselves. That's available in the back. Uh, this is the book with all my sins. Full of Grace, Miraculous Stories of Healing and Conversion Through Mary's Intercession. A friend of mine who's in seminary, it also, it has stories of six people, miraculous ways that Mary prayed for them, they were healed and saved, and there are faith questions at the end of each chapter that really probe one's soul. And a priest friend of mine, he said, give me that book, I'm going to read it again. And I said, why? He said, because I'm going in for heart surgery and I might not live. I said, okay. He goes, these questions go deep. I'm going to answer them. And so, you know, if you plan on dying, get the book. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you, to have kids get excited about the consecration, you can give them a coloring page of Mama Mary. And it's really beautiful. Little four-year-olds have started to color her and say, she's so beautiful. It's the beginning of faith, no? Transfigured, Patricia Sandoval's escape from drugs, homelessness, and the back doors of Planned Parenthood. Um, do you know Father Don Calloway? Has his fame reached Trinidad? Okay, everybody knows Father Don Calloway. Oh, he's been here. I'm feeling mighty shoes. So he endorsed this book. He said it's one of the best stories, most powerful conversion stories ever written. He actually said this book is better than mine. So this book landed on a woman's doorstep right when she was going to commit suicide. She had the plans all laid out for herself. She decided, well, I might as well pick up and read it before I kill myself. And she decided to live and is a very hope-filled person today because of what's in these pages. God is merciful. God is kind. God gives us so much hope. Mary loves men. She loves women, too. But Mary knows the heart of every man. Mary loves you men so much. She looks into your heart, she sees a gem, and she starts to polish it with her great love. And these men in this book of Men and Mary, how six men won the greatest battle of their lives, also endorsed by 
Father Calvary, who called it anointed, and Father Gary Thomas, the exorcist, who said it's superb. These stories are so much fun. Women, you're going to have so much hope and joy in men. Don't look down on men. Be like Mary. They've got rough edges sometimes. There's a murderer in this book. There are men you'd think, this, this guy's beyond hope. Mary doesn't think so. Mary looks in the heart of a murderer, loves him, and then brings him into sainthood. Okay, with our help, we can change the world of men. Men are going to be saints, women. Okay, men, we love you. Not in a weird way. <laughs> to close, I would like to help prepare us because we can think too much about physical preparedness. Yes, it's important to have food. God knows that. God knows what, that you need more than what the birds in the air have, right? God knows what you need to get through a day, what your body needs. But we will not always have our bodies. None of us are going to have these physical bodies. What he wants right now is that our souls be completely clean by the spread of his blood washed through us in the sacrament of reconciliation. So to prepare you for that confession and to prepare you for the healing service that Father Blunt is going to give, the most healing you can receive and be disposed to receive is when you repent and I repent of our sins. That's when we really open the floodgates of healing for our souls and sometimes even our bodies. So will you please join me in this meditation? It's a guided prayer. It's a kind of prayer that St. Ignatius of Loyola, he perfected it and he told the world about it in which you enter into a gospel scene and you place yourself there. So I invite you now, please close your eyes and make yourselves comfortable. Now take a deep breath, breathe in and out, in and out, letting the world and everyone in it fade away. Now ask the Holy Spirit to be with you, guiding your thoughts and protecting your heart. You are about to go on a journey. You find yourself at night walking along a street illumined by lampposts which guide your way. Light from the moon and the stars falls around you as you notice that the road before you leads up a hill. In the distance you see a small chapel it looks beautiful and inviting, and you feel compelled to walk toward it. You come to the door of the chapel, and you open it. You peer inside and notice it is lit by candles on all sides. No one is there. 
you walk inside feeling welcomed and warm. Noticing a beautiful altar in front of you, you kneel before it and ask for God's blessing. Then you slowly lift up your eyes and notice that above the altar is a life-size crucifix. As you study the crucifix, you suddenly realize that it is not a statue, but the real Jesus, alive on the cross. You can barely believe your eyes. You see that he is in agony, struggling for comfort that isn't there for him. He looks down at you, and your eyes meet. His eyes are full of love for you. Staring intently at him, you say, my Lord and my God. Jesus continues to look into your eyes. The love in his eyes is a love you've never seen before on earth. He is in pain but wants so much to speak with you. So through labored breaths, he begins to say, I have loved you from the moment I created you in your mother's womb. I know everything about you, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought. I have been with you always and never left you. I want to give you all of me. I want to fill you completely with my spirit. Will you help me? Will you follow me with your whole heart and hold nothing back? Staring into your eyes, Jesus says to you, I love you so much that I am being crucified right now so that you might gain eternal life with me. My dear one, you must know that to follow me into eternity, you must be pure of heart and free of all sin. You ask him, Lord, is there something you are asking me to do or to give up? in order to inherit eternal life with you? Wait for Jesus' answer. Notice if he gives you an image, a word, an insight, or a feeling. Then you say to him, Jesus, please reveal to me any excuses I make for my sins. Notice what Jesus points out to you. Which sins strike a chord with you? It may be excuses for lying, gossiping, 
lust, anger, prejudice, laziness, gluttony, impatience, useless fears, refusing to forgive, disobeying magisterial church teachings. It may be excuses for materialism, greed, jealousy, addiction, vanity, desire for attention or power or control or having to be right. It may be an unhealthy attachment to someone or something. It may be choosing to serve money, having more than you need. It may be neglect of the poor, judging others, thinking negative thoughts about others, thinking negative thoughts about yourself, or staying silent when you are called to proclaim the gospel and defend your faith. Let Jesus gently show you the excuses within yourself. You notice now that Jesus is barely clinging to life. His eyelids begin to close, but before they do, he looks at you one last time and says, thank you, my dear beloved one, for your open heart and honesty. You have brought me solace. I love you and I will remember you when I come into my kingdom and then you see him breathe his last breath. Please remain in silence for a couple of minutes as you ponder what the Lord revealed to you, for he was truly with you. Now bring your awareness to the present moment and in the room. And open your eyes.
If you wish to do this guided prayer again or would like to give it to someone, in the back it is available on CD called Jesus on the Cross. And then there's another one, Meeting with Mary, where you meet her and she prays for your healing. And if you can't afford anything, just tell them in the back and I'll pay for it. So I don't want this to be about money. Um, how to save the souls you love, my conversion story, and what Mary's saying to us from heaven. People run to the sacrament of reconciliation after this, the place of miracles it's called. So if you don't really understand the sacrament, you will after this. And sexuality and healing, I think our world needs to know the facts and the truth about our sexuality. So those are available as well. So Trinidad, I love you. Thank you so much for your warm welcome. More importantly, Jesus loves you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And I look forward to being a participant like you with the rest of the day. A speaker looks forward to nothing more than being a participant. <laughs> God bless you.